0: Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the Word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message.
1: Let's go to God's Word. There are things that you desire and that I desire. There are things that you and I have been asking God to bring into our lives. There are things that you might want to be better at. Maybe you would like to be better as a a spouse or as a parent or as a follower of Jesus Christ. You want to do those things better. Maybe there are things that you are asking God for. Maybe freedom from some things like depression or anger, anxiety or fear, brokenness or financial problems and difficulties. You want God to move powerfully, even miraculously in these areas. And I'm going to remind you, I'll tell you what the blessing was just getting into my heart this morning. That, that's the name of that song that we were singing. He is for you. 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 These things that you desire, God is for because he is for you. The problem is that some of us have been praying. We've been asking, but it seems like we're stalled. We're not moving forward. What's going on? We're not making the headway that we think. And the problem may be in something that you may not have even considered. And so what you might need is some house cleaning. So cleaning house is the name of my message this morning. What is hindering your miracle? Now some of these things you may think about, well, more peace, is that a miracle? I'll tell you what, if you don't have it and God brings it, it's a miracle. Healing in your body, yeah, that's a miracle and we think about those, but, but sometimes the fact that your marriage gets better and tension and strife goes down, that's a miracle. Cleaning house, what could be hindering your miracle today. And I believe that most, if not all of us, and I'm going to say all because as I prepared this message, there was a little bit of cleaning house that your pastor needed to consider. So how can we do some house cleaning? I want you to take your Bible Today I'm not going to be putting the verses on the screen. I really would like you to follow through, follow along in your own Bible. So get out your device if you electronically use your Bible. If you're online today, go and get a uh, go and get a paper Bible or if a second device or however you'd like to do it. I would like us to follow along. It's an extensive passage of scripture because I wanted to make sure that we received the full context. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And sometimes the faith is going to rise as we're listening to something else beside the point that I'm going to make. The reason that we have a big scripture reading earlier in our service is because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I want you to become familiar with all of the stories regarding Jesus. I grew up in a church, and one of the things that they did every week that I really appreciated was every week they read from one of the Gospels. According to my mother, I was in church within two weeks of my birth. And probably there virtually every Sunday for my entire life. I was in that church or that denomination through my 20s, But one of the things that this church did was every Sunday they read from the Gospels. So therefore, over all of my years of growing up, I've heard this story multiple times. I heard the stories of Jesus um, breaking the bread and the fish and distributing it and feeding a crowd of people. I want you as a church, and that's one of the reasons that I am specifically having us read through the Gospels, I want you to hear the stories over and over and over again. Mark chapter 5, we're going to look at this particular passage. We're going to pick it up at the 21st verse. Jesus had gone across the lake to an area of the Gadarenes, and he had healed a man, delivered a man from a multitude of demonic spirits. And then Jesus got back in the boat, came over, and this is where we pick up the story. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. He probably came back to the area of Capernaum. Capernaum was kind of a home base for him. The town was near the lake. It was just up away from the lake a little bit. The Sea of Galilee, it's also called, but it's actually a freshwater lake. And it says, then a leader of the local synagogue, he was probably the leader of the synagogue in Capernaum. Then the leader of a local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come lay your hands on her, heal her so that she can live. Now, let me give you just a little bit of a background. Jairus, as the synagogue official, was probably the head trustee. Not necessarily a rabbi in teaching, but he took care of all of the details of what took place in the synagogue. And that would have given him the position as one of the highest... citizens, one of the citizens that everybody looked up to because of his position. How he got to the position, how he earned it is not that important. But what we have is we have a religious leader, someone who is in charge of their local synagogue, someone that people look up to. And what does this man do? He falls on his face at the feet of an itinerant preacher by the name of Jesus Now, you have to understand that Jesus was not well looked up to by the religious establishment. They criticized him. They mocked him. They didn't believe he was from God. They questioned his teaching. They tried to trap him. So for this synagogue ruler to do what he did by falling down in front of Jesus at his feet required a great deal of humility. And then he specifically asked for a miracle. He said, lay your hands on my daughter Touch her, and she will be healed. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Desperation. Desperation will have us do things that maybe we wouldn't normally do, but it's oftentimes through desperation that God begins to break through in our lives. And I wonder if some of the reasons some of us are not growing the way that we would like or seeing things in our marriages or seeing things in our parenting or seeing things uh, in in our life with the Lord is because we're not that desperate for it yet. We're doing okay. We're okay. We're okay. Well, this man was desperate and so he fell at Jesus' feet. Verse 24. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. Bleeding, or an issue of blood, as the older translations say, was something that made this woman unclean. Anybody she touched was unclean. Any place she went, she had to state that she was unclean so people could give a wide berth around her so that they wouldn't become unclean. She was not allowed to go to the temple. She probably, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm accurate here, was not allowed to go to the, t- the, to the synagogue. She was a woman who could not go to worship because of this bleeding, and she desperately wanted it to be taken care of. And so she went to the physicians of the day, and they treated her. It says for 12 years she's had this condition. For 12 years she probably went to the doctors. It says she spent everything she had. She might have been like some nowadays, and I'm, I'm not criticizing this, I'm just illustrating it, who hear of some type of experimental cancer treatment. And they're willing to go to a, a cancer treatment center when our, our cousin Donna, who passed away several years ago from pancreatic cancer, um, she was uh, being seen by one of the cancer treatment centers and they started to ask about whether or not there's an experimental treatment that they could do on her so that her uh, cancer could be defeated. We were praying and she had gone through other treatments. And they, there was an indication that there might have been, but when they found out Physically, what the experimental treatment might have done to her, they opted out of that and she went to be with the Lord. It was in October, it? no, it was in April. It was in April, March or April. It was today. Excuse me, I didn't even know that. I'd forgotten it was three years ago today. John, I don't know if you watch the feed, but if you do, my heart still goes out to you. I'm sorry, it's a little emotional. Donna and John were some of our closest friends. and I was given the honor of conducting Donna's memorial service in Kansas City. We still miss her. Anyhow, going back to this woman. I use that illustration because people who are suffering in their body some type of a long-term illness, they're going to do everything that they can. And that's what this woman did. And then it says she heard about Jesus. Verse 27. She heard about Jesus and she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Now, Something that our English Bibles don't capture, partially because we do not understand um, all of the Jewish tradition. She didn't just touch his robe. Yours might say she touched the fringe of his garments. Actually, every Jewish man on their outer garment had four things that were sewed to it. They're called phylacteries. They were, to remind, they were a reminder of their deliverance from Egypt. They were a reminder of the law. She specifically reached out and touched one of the four phylacteries that were on the corner of his garments. Verse 27 again. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed And immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realizing at once that healing power had gone out of him, or Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Now, I want you to just step out of the story with me for a second, okay? Let's imagine that Jesus is right here and he's talking to the woman. What was Jesus doing before the woman interrupted everything? He was going to Jairus' house because Jairus has a daughter that is very ill. I can imagine, hopefully, the cameras caught up with me because that was a quick move. I can imagine Jairus standing over here and there's Jesus. I mean, he stopped this whole crowd. His house is over there, it's up the hill from the lake, it's away from the lake. It took Jairus a while to come down to meet Jesus. And now this crowd is gathered around, which anytime there's a crowd walking with you, it slows everything down. It slows Sherry down when I walk with her. I don't know. She picked up her her mother's way of walking. Her mother could go through an airport walking, and I had to jog. I don't understand. Her, Her mother just knew how to walk. And sometimes Sherry's like that. She doesn't like to take walks with me because I'm out there for a walk. She is out there to flip it, and put me in a theme park, and it's totally different. She's the one who's behind me, nodding your head. You've been with me. You understand. Jairus is over here observing all this that goes on. There's time being, where, where's where's the woman? And she's not willing to identify herself. But Jesus won't move on. He says, who touched me? And so the disciples are saying, master, this crowd is pushing in on you. What do you mean, who touched you? And Jesus said, no, somebody touched me, a different kind of a touch, a touch where healing power went out. Finally, the woman, that says, trembling, comes to Jesus. Now, when you are frightened and trembling, your voice probably stutters. And then she told him the story. Folks, how do you think they knew it was 12 years? How do you think they knew she spent all of her money How do you think they knew that she went to all of these doctors? I think it was all coming out in the story. Peter, James, John are hearing it. It's all coming out in the story. How many of you know that when a man tells a story, um, and this happened and this happened and this happened, and we move on. How many of you know that sometimes when ladies tell stories, and you know, I went to all of these doctors, and you know that quack that was over here. And and I was it was recommended to me by my, my best friend who said that he did really good things with, with blood, but man, he didn't do anything really good with blood. And then I went so I'm just wondering how long they're there. Now I'm just making fun, ladies, but the thing is, I want you to get in Jairus's shoes. Jairus has a daughter that he knows is deathly ill. He's standing over here. The master said he would come and the master started to come and then there's this interruption and with every moment that's going by and I've had this happen before where I'm just there kind of tapping my foot whether it's some kind of an interruption in something that I wanted to do but, but this is a critical interruption because his Daughter is on the verge of death. And there's Jesus over there talking to this lady about her 12 years of going to doctors and spending all of her money, which she really didn't have until some people loaned her some money. And then she was able to go to see this other doctor. And I've never been able to pay them back because But after the story was spoke, after she told him what happened, Jesus' daughter, this is verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, pick this up. While he was still speaking to her, okay, the story has been told. All of this has gone on. The woman is glowing. She's been touched by Jesus. She's no longer, she touched Jesus. She's been healed by Jesus. She's no longer unclean. While she is still telling the story, messengers arrive from the house of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. Jesus and the woman are over here. I'm thinking Jairus is over here the messengers come, they find him and they say your daughter is dead why trouble the master any longer your daughter is dead I wonder if he thought if only this interruption, maybe we could have got there in time know that from Capernaum know that from Jairus' house, these servants would have had to have traveled a little ways. So more than likely, the daughter had died a while before. And then either Jairus' wife or somebody in the household said, find Jairus, let him know. He needs to get back here. Our daughter is dead. Verse 35, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them. And he said to Jairus, so Jairus is over here. Jesus was able over here. Eye to eye, he catches his eye. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd. And this had to have taken some time, too. (laughs) Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. The brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. Let me give you a bit of an idea of what Jesus saw when he got to the house. In Jewish culture of this day, and actually some of this is still in the Middle East, there's a few things that take place when someone dies. There would have been a family member, possibly the mother, or a couple of family members in the, house, or in the room of the girl who is ill. They're monitoring her. They're watching her. And if you have ever been at the bedside of someone who passes away, some of you as uh, nurses or um, EMTs or just as a family member, Sometimes the death comes so quietly that you're not quite sure that it's yet happened. But you look over, and they're not breathing. And you take a moment, and you look again. Maybe you get your ear very close to them. Nowadays, of course, we might listen or feel for a pulse. But what would have happened in this Jewish home is when it was determined that this girl had died, a whale would have gone out inside the house. And we're talking about one of those cries that almost will make your skin crawl. This was the sign in that culture, and this is the way people dealt with their grief, that death had come to this household. And so someone in the house would have Express this loud wail. And then others would have caught on to it. And then the flautists or the flutists would have come. Matthew says there were flute players there. The flute in Israel, the playing of the flute, is synonymous with death. Whenever flutes were being played, it was because someone had died or it was a funeral procession. The songs that they played were all associated with death. There were flute players there. And in this uh, this culture, and still in many Middle Eastern countries today, there would actually be mourners that would come. They were hired mourners. They were individuals that knew how to wail and they knew how to cry because it was so appropriate that there would be people mourning at a death. You could hire these individuals, and by the time Jesus got there, and when it says in Mark's gospel that when he got there, he saw weeping and wailing and much commotion, this is what he came upon. So that indicates that it has been a while since this girl has died. She had died, the wail of the family member went up, which signaled that death had come to this household. The individuals that are the professional mourners and the musicians had gathered, neighbors had gathered, friends had gathered. There was a lot of noise going on, a lot of wailing and a lot of tears. There's the rending, the tearing of garments that was very appropriate to show that death had come and that you were in grief. Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing, and he went inside and asked, why? All this commotion and weeping. The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. Now, the New Living Translation does not capture the Greek at this point that the crowd laughed at him. The King James actually does best in some of the older translations where it says, they laughed him to scorn. This is not, ha, 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 Jesus. She's not dead. They laughed at him in such a way that their laughter was scornful. Like, who do you think you are? She's dead. We've observed it. We've gone over and checked the body. She is dead, and you come in here, and you try to tell us that she's asleep. It was a scornful laughter. And look what Jesus does. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. Also, the new living does not capture it. The Greek said he ejected them all. He threw them out. He got them out of the room. He got them out of the house. And then he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding onto her hand, he said to her, Talita kum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed, and Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to drink. Jesus expelled them. He kicked them out. You know what Jesus did? Jesus did some house cleaning. Jesus did some house cleaning. For the sake of the parents... He expelled the noise. For the sake of what he was planning on doing, he got rid of the ridicule. He got rid of the professional mourners. He got rid of those who were playing the flutes, those who were focused only on dead. He cleaned house. And then he took the parents and Peter, James, and John and went into the room and he performed a miracle. Now, hopefully you grabbed a note sheet this morning. Now we're going to get to the teaching portion. On the notes, here's the key thought of my message today. The noise around you and the people around you impact your spiritual life and your faith positively or negatively. The noise around you and the people around you impact your spiritual life and your faith positively or negatively they are hindering or helping God's ability to move in your life they are hindering or helping you receive a miracle Jesus cleaned house he got rid of the negative he got rid of that which was focused on death he got rid of the mourners he got rid of those things that were going to impact that room and it was he Peter James and John and the parents before he performed his miracle First point in your notes this morning, these aren't numbered, but they'll be in order. What goes into you impacts your ability to receive from God those things which you seek. Remember, I I said early in the message, God is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And there's some things that you seek. There are things that I seek. Maybe you seek a deeper relationship with him or a physical and emotional touch Uh, Maybe you want your faith to increase. You want more love or courage or you want to be more obedient. You want a better marriage, a better family life. You want maybe financial and occupational advancement. Maybe you're seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit, a breaking of depression, deliverance from anger and rage or the ability to hear the voice of God. I don't know what you're seeking this morning. But remember I said if you are if you are stalled, you're not moving forward. These things are not happening in your life. Here is what I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to say this morning. Online at home, if you get nothing else, get this this morning. Here it is. All of us need to do some internal house cleaning. All of us need to do some internal house cleaning because what goes into you impacts your ability to receive from God those things which you are seeking. You're seeking the right things and it's not that God doesn't want you to have them. God wants you to have them. He wants you to receive these things but there are times that there are hindrances to you receiving them. There's commotion, there's noise, there's negativity, there's lack of faith, there's these um, side things. So the question today is that I'd like you to ask yourself, I'm asking myself, what do I need to clean out of my life today which is impacting my ability to hear God, to receive from God, to find the peace and joy which God promises? And I know, it's not we're not cleaning our physical houses even though we have a house on the screen here. It's our internal house. It's our internal life. In your notes, a couple more statements. You need, you need to protect your emotional and spiritual life from the destructive noise and commotion around you. You need to protect. God is not going to put a bubble around you. You need to protect your emotional and spiritual life from the destructive noise and commotion around you. Second point there, you can't stop at all but you can stop inviting it in. Listen, we live in a world that's negative. We're not going to stop everything that impacts us. We're not going to stop people and what they say. The things we can stop are the things that we're inviting in. Now, I'm going to talk about three of those areas here this morning. I'm going to go through them somewhat rapidly. These aren't the only things, but these are the three that I felt I wanted to highlight this morning on this message. So here we go. Number one, some of us need... To clean house of some relationships. You need to clean house of some relationships. You need to stop letting certain people into your life. They are critical, negative, faithless, bitter, angry, divisive, and you need to back away from them. I'm going to go through some verses from Proverbs, and some of these are focused to marriage, but I think they can be broader. Listen to what Proverbs 21.9 says. They're not coming up on the screen. I'm going to read them quickly. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. It is better to live in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Ladies, let me put it this way. It is better to live in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome husband in a lovely home. Proverbs goes on and says this later on in that chapter. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome complaining wife. And I think this could go to friendships. It doesn't have to be a spouse. Your best friend. If they're quarrelsome, if they're complaining, if they're negative, you need to go and find a place to be alone. Get those voices, get that noise, get that commotion out from around you because what is around you is getting in you. And what is getting in you is going to impact You can say, yeah, but I can't quite get away from my wife or my husband. I'm not saying that you're supposed to divorce, okay? But there are times that you could limit some of this. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. Listen, if you're hanging around with wicked friends... They're going to lead you astray, not not just in sin. They're going to impact your inner life. They're going to impact what goes in. They're going to impact your ability to receive the things that you're desiring from God. Proverbs um, 18.24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Do you know that there may be people in your life, there may be relationships right now that is destroying you, and you're the one who has to take the initiative about this. You may say, God, move this person away. God, move this person away. God, move this person away. Well, why don't you move away from this person? Proverbs 28, 7 says, Young people who obey the law are wise. Those with wild friends bring shame to their parents. The noise and commotion that individuals like this bring into your life are impacting Your ability and my ability to receive from God. Some of your depression, your fear, your lust, your anxiety, your lack of a vital spiritual life, your stress, your discouragement, your disillusionment are being impacted by some of your relationships because what goes into you impacts your ability to receive from God those things which you seek. Years ago, Sherry and I were at a church. We weren't pastoring at this time. We were at a church in another state, feels like another world out in the western part of Kansas. And there was another couple in the church that we started to spend a lot of time with. We got together virtually every weekend. We had a lot of fun together. We laughed. But the longer that we were with them, and I'm not blaming the couple, I'm I'm, I'm blaming myself, the longer we were with them, the more that some things in my life started to come out. Uh, My critical nature, my sarcasm, uh, I was dropping sexual innuendos um, because they were funny, and they laughed, and we laughed. And after a period of time, I can remember, Sherry and I were driving home from having spent some time with them, and we kind of looked at each other. I don't know who spoke first, but it was like, I feel yicky, or icky. Is that a real word? But what it was is when we, when we left the time with him, it was almost like I felt like I had to repent. Now, I wasn't in pastoral ministry, but it was like, what's going on here? And it became apparent to me that he and I were not good for each other's spiritual lives because we brought up this gunk. And we backed away from spending as much time with them. Now. We didn't totally cut them out. They still went to the same church. We still greeted them and things. But we found other things to do on the weekends until we were able to back this relationship to a place where, for me, it wasn't impacting me. And it was. I didn't like myself after I had been with primarily him for any period of time. And I'm not talking like we're in deep sin or anything. It just was this negative influence. So in your, in your notes, and it's not going to come up on the screen, but in your notes, I put a line there that said replace with because you just don't want to get rid of something. You've got to replace with. If you're going to back away from some relationships, what are you going to replace them with? When Sherry and I backed away from this relationship, we started to look who's some other people we could hang out with that would be good for us. Or um, do we need to uh, just join another group or something to, to replace this so new relationships might be something you want to put in that line going deeper with people who will help you on your journey and again I'm not advocating divorce or abandoning your family unless it's your mother-in-law or father-in-law that's giving you trouble then you may want no not abandon them but you may want to block it but you may have to limit some of your family's ability to speak in your life I don't know who I'm speaking to right now I'm going to talk to the camera because it's not you guys it has to be somebody I'm going to speak to somebody here You need to stop having daily phone conversations with that family member that when you get off the phone, you're more depressed than when you started. Yeah, but they're my mom, my stepmom, my stepdad, my dad, my sister. It's my sister, or it's my brother. Listen, if you're getting off the phone, if you're getting off the phone, worse than when you got on it, this is one of those relationships that you need to back away from. Yeah, but they'll be mad. Okay, Would you prefer to be depressed every time that you get off the phone with them? Or to have them mad? And some of you might say, (laughs) I would prefer to be depressed than to have them mad. You don't know what they're like mad. Listen, long term, which one is better? Okay, so some of us need to clean house of some relationships because what goes into us has the ability to impact how we're going to receive from God. Number two, I'm going to use most of us on this one. Most of us need to clean house of what we let in through our screens. Most of us need to clean house of what we let in through our screens. Your usage of your smartphone, your tablet, your computer, your television, the things you are letting in are impacting your ability to receive from God. Some of us live with incredible fear. Why? Because all you are watching or listening to or scrolling through are fear-based websites. Fear-based about this, fear-based about that, fear-based about the economy, fear-based about COVID. Now, I'm not talking about totally backing away. We need to know what's going on in the world. But some of you spend so much time listening to, scrolling onto, reading all of this stuff that it's getting inside of you and it is impacting your ability to receive from God. One of the reasons you're not making forward motion is because of the junk that you're putting inside. Social media, some of us, most of us, we need a clean house. Streaming of media, movies, music, series, etc. Clean house. News, news radio, your favorite talk shows, your podcast, your news channels. Clean house. If you are a man or a woman accessing porn, clean house. Some of your depression, your fear, your lust, your anxiety, your lack of vital, uh, a vital spiritual life, your stress, your discouragement, your disillusionment are all being impacted by what is coming through your screens into your mind and into your spirit. We need a clean house. What would you replace that with? You've got all this time. Well, maybe you want to take some greater time in God's word in the Bible. You, know, you want to replace it with something positive. Different music. Maybe could I suggest times of solitude and silence? When has it been that most people are now uncomfortable with silence? I'm speaking for myself. We have a a few minutes of downtime. Sherry and I aren't talking because we're just kind of sitting. I go to my hip, usually, where my phone is. That's why I go to my hip. I'm gonna scroll this social media page or I'm gonna look here or I'm gonna look there. Maybe silence and solitude is what you need to replace it with. And one of the reasons I'm not asking you to identify what of these things are, what relationship or what social media is, I believe right now that as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit's already speaking. You know that relationship you need to back away from. You may have had somebody that was next to you, elbowing you. They know what you need to back away from. I want to talk to you real quickly, and I'm going to do a promotion here. This Wednesday night, we're doing something very special for all of our adults. We are going to have a special Wednesday night session called Digital Detox. Digital Detox. It's in your notes. I put the, uh, the, the screen there. Pastor Wayne Murray up at Grace did a series of messages called COVID Detox. But one of them was called Digital Detox. It was recommended to me by my son, David. And so I, uh, I viewed it. I communicated with Pastor Wayne. And I said, Pastor Wayne, this would just dovetail really well about what I'm preaching on Sunday. Would I be allowed to show your message to our Wednesday night crowd? And so all of us adults are gathering together, and then some will break off for discussion. But we're all gathering together for Pastor Wayne's uh, message, Digital Detox. Um, would you Give me a show of hands, please. Do you own a smartphone or a tablet or a digital device? Show of hand, please. You should be there. Do you have children that either have or will have a smart device or a smartphone? You need to be there. This Wednesday. The stuff and the reason I'm using Pastor Wayne's full messages, he spent a great deal of time doing research for this. He read numerous books and listened to things and watched things. So his material is very well documented. And so we're going to use that. And you're going to have a, a note sheet for this that's going to list a lot of other resources that you can go through and read and watch. Digital Detox Wednesday helping you to find out. How do we get our screen time down? Because some of us need to clean house with our screens. Some of us need to clean house with some relationships. Most of us need to clean house on what we let into our screens. And some other people, either here or online, you need to clean house of non-Christian spiritual experiences. This is number three. Clean House of Non-Christian Spiritual Experiences. And you're saying, what do you mean by this? I tried to come up with all kinds of different titles for this one, and this seemed to be the best one. Let me explain what these are. And I don't know if there's many of you that are going to get hit by this. I don't know how many of you online. But let me explain. Non-Christian Spiritual Experiences. Horoscopes. Stop looking at your horoscope. Astrology. Tarot cards. Psychics don't call psychic hotlines, even the free one, fortune tellers, meditation practices like. Buddhism. And there's a great deal of Buddhism meditation practices that are moving into the business community. I've read some books and I found out there's a lot of businesses that are really promoting meditation as a way of getting some stress relief. But virtually everyone that I have heard about, now there are probably others that are not, are Buddhist-based. Be careful. Now, meditation is something God tells us to do. The first psalm says we're to meditate on God's word day and night. I'm not against meditation. It's the type of meditation. What is the focus of the meditation? Transcendental meditation, Buddhist meditation, crystals, auras. There is an entire spiritual world composed of evil and unclean spirit beings when we expose ourselves to them by dabbling into these kind of practices or these alternate spiritual experiences we open ourselves up to their influence jesus spoke about there being two kinds of kingdoms there's the kingdom of light his kingdom god the father himself the holy spirit angelic beings and the kingdom of darkness satan and the, the angels that fell with him, the demonic, the unclean spirits, there is a real demonic spiritual world out there. And it is influencing the world around us. You might say, and maybe somebody online, Pastor, are you telling me you believe in evil spirits? Yes. Pastor, are, are you telling me that, that you think they can impact us in one way? Yes. Why? Let me tell you the main reason. Because Jesus did. Jesus knew exactly how people were being impacted and influenced by these dark forces. In fact, the story before the story we read, he cast out a legion of demons, thousands of demons out of a man that had lost his mind because of demonic oppression. Now, not every mental illness is demonic, please. I'm not saying that at all. But in this case... This man lost his mind because of demonic influence. And, yes, I've had some personal encounters and experiences with demonic influence in my own life, some of which I let in because I had opened the door through dabbling in these non-Christian spiritual experiences. I'm aware of it personally, but because Jesus believes in it, I believe in it. Here's some other things. Paranormal podcasts, paranormal television shows, ghost searchers. Clean house. Oh, but they're fascinating. And, and they're maybe fun. You know, you, you, you're there and they're doing this paranormal thing and it's dark and the camera's going and all of a sudden something squeaks or flashes or you jump and you think it's the coolest and most fun thing. Be careful, folks careful that you're not drawn in and sucked in and opening your inner man through non-Christian spiritual experiences. So, so do you mean that if I run across that? No, I'm talking about you inviting it in. If every day you go home and you can't wait for the next podcast to find out what new ghost they found in somebody's attic in downtown New Orleans... That's what you're going for. That's inviting. Remember, we can't separate ourselves from all this stuff. We just don't invite it in. I know sometimes you think this is nothing more than just some interesting games or fascinating areas to explore. They can also be doorways to a supernatural apart from God, which are dangerous. I want to take you to an Old Testament passage. This will come up on the screen. In in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, this was for the Israelites because they were going into lands where there was all kinds of spiritual practices. They grew up this way. But I think the warnings of this passage apply to us today also. Listen to what the Old Testament says in Deuteronomy 18. For example, never sacrifice your son or your daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens. Or engage in witchcraft. And this would be white witchcraft or uh, dark, uh, dark witchcraft. Uh, Wiccan falls into this category. Or cast spells. Or function as mediums or psychics. Or call forth the spirits of the dead. Seances. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Why? Because it's great sin? No, because you're opening yourself up to influences. You are inviting negative, demonic, dark influences. That's why we don't go here. Guard your heart. Proverbs says, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. That's why I'm saying relationships. There are some relationships you need to back away from. You need to guard your heart, guard your spirit from certain relationships that are impacting you in a negative way. You need to guard your heart from what is coming through your screens that is impacting you in a negative way. You need to guard your heart from these non-Christian Spiritual influences. So what would you replace this with if you're somehow spending time here? Replace it with seeking a deeper relationship with Jesus. Replace it with seeking and walking in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Remember, what goes into you impacts your ability to receive from God those things which you speak. We're gonna close with this prayer. Um, It's in your notes coming up on the screen. I'm actually gonna pray it over us. I want you to pray it in your heart also. And the, the prayer is very simple. Holy Spirit... I want nothing to hinder your ability to work in my life. Where do I need to clean house? That's our prayer today. Would you bow your heads as the team comes to the platform? And as I pray, I want you to pray. And I'm going to give some pauses in here, some places where the Holy Spirit can speak to you. Because, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today from this message? Close your eyes, bow your hearts. Holy Spirit, I want nothing to hinder your ability to work in my life. And Holy Spirit, I want nothing to hinder the ability for you to work in the life of the people that are here and the people online, our online church family who are joining us, either live or on demand. Now, here's the question Holy Spirit, where do I need to clean house? Pray that quietly to yourself. Holy Spirit, where do I need to clean house? Lord, I expect that you, even before we got to this prayer, had already shown some of us where we needed to clean house. Lord, as I watched Pastor Wayne's talk on digital detox, I made some changes to my phone. I did a little cleaning of house, house cleaning. Lord, others here may need to back away from non-Christian spiritual experiences, or they need to back away from a relationship Maybe they're dating someone or maybe it's someone that they hang out a lot with at work just because they have a lot naturally in common. But every time that they leave that lunch or they leave that break with this person, they just feel impacted. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. For there are things that we desire and these are good things that even you desire for us that are being impacted by these other things that we have allowed into our life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us. You are for us. You're not trying to beat us up with this. You're just trying to help us to become all that you know we can be in Jesus. Lord, continue to hear our prayer as we pray to you and also as we Sing this last song, which truly is a prayer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and follow the team, please? Lord, you have heard our prayer. Father, we lay ourselves before you. We want to be the men and women that you have created us to be. You are for us. You go before us. You're behind us. You're around us. You want to bless us. Not just us, but our children and their children and their children. Father, some of those blessings will only flow as we clean house in our lives. So that you can flow through us and we can teach our children how to walk and how to flow in you. How to clean house in their own lives. We thank you for this time that we gathered. Thank you for speaking to us through your word, through the songs through what you have done today. We love you and we appreciate you. For those of you that are watching online, thank you. Pastor Evan's gonna be coming on just momentarily here. If you need to contact us for any reason, you would like prayer, you would like a uh, question answered, um, He's going to give some instructions as to how to text us, how to communicate to us through email, uh, instant messenger, private messenger. So Pastor Evan's going to do those things. Uh, We here are going to move now into a, a time of prayer. People who need to receive some prayer, we're going to do that. God bless you. Online church family, I know some of you would love to be here, but you're still sheltering at home exactly where you need to be. Others of you are out of town. We're glad that you're joining us too. Have a wonderful day, online church audience. Now for the rest of you here, as we wind down.
0: You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.